You are listening to Beyond the Verse, a Star Citizen podcast. A show dedicated to Cloud Imperium games, Star Citizen and Squadron 42. Whether you fight, explore, unite, and or trade, we bring you news, updates, interviews, reviews, and analysis. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a pour of Radagast, and join us as we go Beyond the Verse. Launch sequence activated. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Verse, Star Citizen podcast with your host, Solus. This is episode 45, and we have a lot to take care of today. A very, very busy in Star Citizen, outside of Star Citizen. Um, quickly, we're going to be going over the new Lunar New Year, or Red Festival events, uh, subscriber promotions, the Valentine's Day or Cormore event, um, the extreme external competitions and things that you can do to get more items and free ships, referral bonuses, Inside Star Citizen's expanding branding, which I think is a legitimate video and a well worth uh, your time to watch 15 minutes of this. And then we will end with the namesake of today's episode by going through the roadmap roundup and the Star Citizen monthly report. So as you can imagine, we have a lot to get through. Um, Let's get to business, but first a quick word from our sponsors. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. And actually, speaking of word from our sponsors, a couple episodes ago, I mentioned that Spotify was getting away from host red ads and is now moving towards automated ads. And I told you, the listener, that we would not be partaking in that because I did not want um, unfiltered access to my listeners and viewers uh, that might not match our brand. However, going through a deep dive, um, I learned that I could omit or I could exclude participation in certain categories. So uh, politics, gone. You're not gonna hear anything politics. Um, Basically anything social as well. Social politics, you're out. Um, But the things that are like gaming, community, I was able to elect those. So I'm gonna continue with that. Just the one ad per episode. Um, It helps keeps the lights running. It helps us kind of grow in the technology to keep producing good quality content for you. So. I hope we're in a good place there. I hope you understand. Um, you can also support the cop, the podcast real quick uh, by becoming a supporter. If you go to Spotify and on our profile page, um, you can actually become a supporter. So the more of that that we can get, the more I can start backing out of monetization. Otherwise, like I've told you before, the Go XLR no longer has support. It's just a matter of time before I need to upgrade to the Roadcaster Pro. Yes, there's probably middle grounds in between, but you deserve the best quality content. So there you go. Let's get into our from the community. And I kind of 
If it's okay with you, I would like to tell you a story that might make you sick to your stomach, but it's a little personal and then I will get into actually from the community, but I, I find this, um, I really just want to share this with you. So seven days ago, actually at this point, eight days ago, I traded in my 2014 Ford Raptor, which that was my dream truck. It was a gift from my wife um, getting out of the military at the time. So she blessed me with that. It's been the family vehicle. It's been through several moves, 118,000 miles uh, worth of of family activities, off-roading, the birth of my son and daughter. So there's some nostalgia, some sentimental value there. So I traded it in uh, about eight days ago because we are at that 10-year mark. Um, I wanted to get some value for the trade-in. And I ended up getting, really my entire life, I always wanted a Jeep Wrangler. Again, off-roading, camping, overlanding, that's kind of my thing when it comes to vehicles. So I get myself, oh, it's beautiful, guys. It's it's a 2024 Jeep Wrangler Rubicon JL, four-door uh, manual shift, right? So a little, uh, you know, a millennial proofing, if you will, because no one knows how to drive a manual anymore. Um, granite, so it's that gunmetal gray, super sexy. And I'm just, I'm really like, I'm really proud about that, right? I'm really proud that I got kind of my, I guess, lifelong vehicle of the Jeep Wrangler. Yesterday, yep, yesterday, <laughs> I take it in to get its uh, its windows tinted, and I'm not going to get into who or any of those specifics because I'm actually really happy with how they reacted, but um, when you curate a tinted window, you use kind of like a blowtorch, and either they slipped or something, and they melted the back clamp that holds the back windshield in place, they literally melted it off and scorched the top of my hardtop. So you can imagine the sinking, gut-wrenching feeling that I had uh, when it was time for me to pick up my my Jeep and the back is what it is. Oh my gosh, guys, if you know anything about me, like I love origin ships and game, I love all the fancy stuff um, that applies to my real life. Even though I off-roaded in the Raptor, I always kept it pristine and in perfect top condition. And here I am with a seven day old, brand new vehicle with the back end with a tramp stamp. <laughs> a, uh, a torched back end. So just wanted to share that with you. I, I don't know. It has nothing to do with Star Citizen, but my goodness, if you talk about just having, um, uh, I don't know, just gut-wrenching moment in my personal life, just want to share that with you. Do with that information what you will, but my uh, my heart's broken. <laughs> now, they're going to make it right. There's there's a plan of action in the next couple of days to you know to get it all addressed, but something I did not want to have to go through. Okay, let's get into from the community. All right, so two weeks ago, first off, let me start by saying this. Um, last night's Orgnite, that's going to be episode or bonus episode 08, uh, Orgnite Exploring Jump Points, hands down, probably one of the best Orgnites we've had to date. Uh, we've had nine, I think we've recorded eight. Um, it was so much fun. And if you have any doubt that Star Citizen is better with friends, go listen to that episode because literally we just went from jump point to jump point exploring the three locations and you will hear the value add 
when you bring in friends. We had 15 members of Soul Provision that that boarded my 890 jump, we call the elegance of the void, and took it from jump point to jump point and had the time of our lives. Go listen to it, it's awesome. Two weeks ago, we recorded Org Night 7. We took a second attempt at Siege of Orison. We're unsuccessful, so I asked at the end of that episode, does not completing the mission impact your fun in multiplayer gameplay? Yes, we are failures. <laughs> Dampens the mood, or no, it's about community. Those are your three options. Um, it was split 50% to 50%, so half went to dampens the mood, and the other half went to no, it's about community. And I saw some fun asking this question, because, you know, we all we all play the game to win. I, I think that's innate. That's who we are as, I would say, human beings. Uh, but as gamers, like, we want to win. You don't want to play to lose, right? That's ridiculous. So I, I, I get it, right? I get... I get that, but in a simulation, especially in a you know eleven year alpha that's not officially released yet, um, this was interesting to me to ask because like I, I I don't know I was curious if if listening to that episode or actually being part of the fourteen man crew that went um, did not completing it ruin your night, and I didn't say ruin your night. I said dampens the mood, right? Um, again, it makes sense, but. The fun for me, and I just expressed it from last night's episode, uh, or bonus episode, the fun for me is the community, right? The interaction, the fellowship that you have uh, with your team members. You could literally be doing nothing and have a phenomenal two-hour excursion from jump point to jump point. So I thought that was interesting. 50% dampens the mood. 50% no, it's about community. So we go on to the actual episode. That was episode 44, 323 preview and Star Citizen, which let me again caveat and say that was recorded before Star Citizen Live. So that recorded, Star Citizen Live aired, and then I was a guest host on Space Tomatoes podcast. So if you want to hear my reactions to Star Citizen Live, go check out Space Tomatoes episode. Uh, It was me, Kronzi, Ollie, and Space Tomato. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal episode. There's so much happening in 323. Um, So I asked the question, what would you like to see next in quality of life improvements? And let me just say, in one week, we're at 450 listens in just one week. So this was a very successful episode. There were six responses. Let's go through all six. Again, question, what would you like to see next in quality of life improvements? Dakota Riley, spawning vehicles and ships. It would be so nice if I could spawn my links inside of my 600i or spawning multiple tanks, snub fighters, light fighters in my C2 for combat scenarios. Yes, you have heard me say that time and time again. That is why I don't fly my Furies. I love the Furies. I'm not going to go through a 30 minute game loop to get a Fury onto a ship that can quantum travel. I am in 100% agreement with you, Dakota Riley. Next, Donovan Salter Green, quote, I'm a simple person. When I make a party, I want to see party markers. X new features sounds great. What about party markers, though? (laughs) 
Awesome to see you on Tomato's show. Keep up the great work. Thank you. I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah, um, party markers. They sometimes work. They sometimes don't. <laughs> uh, last night, we were trying to gate who all was getting onto the 890 jump. Most of us had the blue little chevrons with the name tags, uh, but it wasn't always the case. We almost killed one of our members because they never received a party marker. Um, it's also, I don't know, so consistency, I think. I also think the user interface could be a little bit better. Again, so you can tell who your who your your party members are. And I know that there is a little bit of a realism gap. There's a camp or there's a party of of star citizen gamers that want that realism. Well, in real life, you're not going to be able to, you know, no one's having a name tag, you know, above their name in real life. Um, I would also challenge that because even in the military, we had blue force trackers, right? Um, we would have HUDs that would mark you as a heat signature and actually would put um, your call sign above you on on like a user interface. So those, it, they do exist. So I imagine 930 years in the future, we would have something similar. <laughs> Next quote, uh, this user is a bunch of numbers. Um, so I don't, I don't actually, act, oh, it's Groza. Okay, so interesting. Groza from our organization, he actually doesn't come up as a user on Spotify. That's weird. All right, two things pretty please. Number one, key binding to clear quantum travel jump routes. Yes. <laughs> Preach. I, I'm in agreement to all of this. And number two, an option to disable the collision alert red text warning for low flying. In August, done those name. Amen. Groza, <laughs> cherished org member. Uh, it's good to see you on here, man. Um, okay. Yes. Quantum travel. I hope, I hope the star map and that whole experience that's projected to come out in 323. I, I really hope it includes some of that, um, route planning. I, I, I really do. Right. But key binding to clear quantum travel jump route preach. And then that disabling the collision alert. So I don't low fly. I don't. But I watch those who do. Groza, Skyborne TV. Um, there are others. Um, and it's so much fun to watch them. Like TikTok, YouTube. It's it's exciting. And I, it makes me want to low fly. But sure enough, every time I watch a video, there's always these alerts and signals that you know come up on their, on their HUD. So yes, the ability to disable. You can't get rid of it. You shouldn't get rid of it because there are new flyers who aren't used to, you know, looking left and right and going into third person and seeing their surroundings. Yeah, that's going to happen. They need collision alerts for that purpose. But to disable, give us uh, the ability to toggle um, really anything in our user interface. I would love, I would love for the user interface to be completely customizable. I think that is a great end state. Our fourth quote by Dustin. In-game real-time commodity pricing would be a nice improvement for cargo runners. Not to get into what's happening at the last part of the show, um, but there are more or there are new cargo loops that are coming. Um, I think it'd be great for this to be implemented within the same, but that in-game real-time commodity pricing, that actually opens up a whole new conversation for me. So you go to like a trade depot, like a TDD, um, and I, for life, me can't remember what it stands for. Trade distribution dish. I don't know. TDD is like the trade department. <laughs> um, 
you can go there to sell your commodities, you know, even pick up and buy, you know, certain commodities. But there are screens, almost like stock trading, like almost like um, uh, Wall Street. But there are screens everywhere. It'd be amazing, and I think they already are accurate to some point. But it'd be awesome if if like that became more ingrained into every faucet of the of the game. Last night we did, you know, the exploring jump points. You get all those banners and advertisements and screens on your way to the jump point. Again, just imagine if there is like a stock trader, like here are the commodity prices in this region. It's just, it's, it's real. It's that realism. It's that immersion that I referenced or alluded to a couple minutes ago. But yes, in-game real-time commodity pricing. It'd be great for cargo runners. Two more quotes. Day night nine. Uh, it's dreamer of days in the org. So, Hey, w- welcome again. Appreciate you responding in game communications have easy to toggle channels. So leads and first lines can swap between operations and team comms. That way we aren't talking over each other. Okay. So this one's, this one's tough for me. So I'm going to date myself. There are probably a lot of veterans who listen to this, uh, podcast. First off, thanks for your service. Um, brothers and sisters in arms. Thank you. So when I was a team leader in the, uh, in the military, we would have one channel in one ear and another channel in the other, oftentimes headquarters or command and control on your right. And then your team comms on your left. And you'd be listening to two conversations at the same time. And you would toggle, right? You would toggle, um, who or where your uh, broadcast would go. So whether it's going to go back to headquarters or whether it's going to go back to, um, you know, your team. And you just got used to it, right? But that is a skill set. That is a skill set to balance those two conversations happening in both ears and then multiply that across your entire organization of 15 individuals. Again, last night we had 15. And so imagine when chaos ensues, right? Somebody were to attack the 890 jump. You know, how do you command and control through Discord? Discord's like the one, first off, it's external, but it's the one broadcast channel. You can't toggle easily between, you know, channels. So how do you command and control different elements they're going to have to figure it out because when sole provision is running on full cylinders, we're going to be mining, we're going to be salvaging and performing security operations all simultaneously. And somehow you're going to have to have a captain who is in command and control and distributing direction, right, to the line leaders somehow. So, yes, I would love to see what work or what vision or end state that this game has for internal communications. In a perfect world, communications lives inside of the game and you're not operating out of Discord. I love Discord, but not for this. Last comment from a Nick. Nick says, how the Moby Glass looks and works like. That and how the new star map will improve live uh, life in the verse. So... Moby Glass updates, star maps. Luckily, those are coming. Those are coming in 323. Now it's projected to be the first part of Q2. I'm hearing April. There was murmuring of it being in Q1. That's not going to be the case. It's probably going to be in April, which aligns to previous years. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Moby Glass updates and the star map updates will be coming. Last, let's go to the polls for 323. I just asked the one question. Uh, Were you more excited about the EVA 
portion of Inside Star Citizen or from the PIPIS, <laughs> the Personal Interactive Environment System, updates from this week. Uh, and it was split pretty evenly. 60% said they were more interested in the personal uh, interaction environment and system, and 40% voted for EVA, right? Um, yes, you're going to be interacting with PIE and PIS more than EVA. You rarely EVA unless your mission dictates or you're just trying to explore around your ship. So I would say you rarely EVA, um, or at least significantly less frequent than your interactions with the environment. So that makes total, total sense to me. All right, what a great introduction to this episode. Thanks for coming along the community journey with me and listening to my, uh, you know, sad story about the poor Jeep. Let's get into this week in Star Citizen. Sharing my screen for those of you on YouTube, and please, if you're listening on podcast, feel free. You don't have to listen on YouTube, but go give it a like, a little thumbs up, and a subscribe to the YouTube channel, because that, that's also growing. We're at like 480 subscribers, and the more of that virtual commitment, quote unquote, will just build the community even more, all right, and give us that good direction going into 2024. This week in Star Citizen, quote, happy Monday, everyone. In case you missed it last week, our weekly shows have returned with an epic splash. In an effort to shake things up, we offered an early preview of what's in store for the season on Inside Star Citizen in the recent live episode of Star Citizen Live. We divulged our upcoming feature list for Alpha 323, with Jared managing to beat me to the punch for the upcoming roadmap update. Missed the show? Check out the VOD to catch up on what is coming. We're thrilled to announce that both Red Festival and Cormor will kick off this week. Yes, concurrently. Whether you're ringing in the new year or celebrating new love, we have numerous ways for you to immerse yourself in the festivities. Additionally, a free fly and referral bonus are launching too, making this an opportune moment to dive into the verse with a friend. Last but certainly not least, we had an incredible time visiting the Spanish community in Barcelona last week. The energy and passion was absolutely off the charts. We'd like to congratulate the organizers for putting together such an epic event and thank them for welcoming us. Oh, and when we say it was a high energy event, we mean it. And there's a link to something. So <laughs> now let's see what's going on this week. Here we go. The bullet list of the schedule, which again, we kind of covered in the intro to the show. But Tuesday, we had the subscriber com link and newsletter, which we are covering next. Wednesday, roadmap update, roadmap roundup, the PU monthly report, the Squadron 42 monthly report, which I'm actually going to save the Squadron 42 monthly report for the next episode, just so we have time to go line by line in Star Citizens. So next episode, we will cover the Squadron 42 monthly report. Thursday, we had Inside Star Citizen, the launch of Cormor, the launch of Red Festival, a free fly event, and the referral bonus. And then later today, right after this, uh, the recording of the show, there will be a Star Citizen live episode. So like I said, probably one of the busiest weeks so far of 2024, a lot to cover. I'm gonna keep moving. We have a lot to cover, let's get to work. Subscriber promotions. 
Okay, so a little bit of a mix between the Cormor, right, and the Red Festival. So here on this image that you're seeing on the screen, on your left, that is the My Valentine. It's actually the Heat Seeker kind of logo that's on the F7C Super Hornet. Um, so you got the Heat Seeker kind of My Valentine poster, and then you've got the, uh, the Year of the Dog is actually the Lunar New Year celebration. So you got those two. You also have a shotgun and a, a Karner rifle if I'm not mistaken, but we'll actually read it. Here we go. February is an action-packed month in the verse, courtesy of the return of both Coromor and the Red Festival. This month's flair embraces both holidays, with themed hab posters and exclusive pink weapons. In addition, to keep you suitably tooled, for, uh, up, tooled up for all the excitement, we're giving all subscribers access to Anvil's fearsome little pocket rocket, the Arrow, while Imperator subs can also hit the hardest in the Crusader Ares series. So that's the Ion and the Inferno. Let me clear my throat real quick. Alrighty, in-game rewards. Let's do this. Cormor and Red Festival poster set. Actually, let's read this note real quick. Note, the Centurion subflare item is temporarily delayed and will be available in an upcoming patch. Okay. Coromore and Red Festival poster set. Evoking the imagery and language of the historic holiday Valentine's Day, the Coromore poster is intentionally faded to replicate the wear and tear it experiences on ships, while the Red Festival poster features adorable dogs to commemorate the year 2954 and honors the festival's historic ties to Earth. Current Centurion level subscribers get this item as part of their subscriptions. This month's flare item is temporarily delayed. We already read that part. All right, Imperator level. The Castac Arms Karna, quote, Fate Rifle. Show your Cormor passion with the Fate edition of the Karna Rifle, which has been made over with bold fuchsia and gray accents. Uh, yeah, so it, it, it's... Let me just go on record. Let me go on record and say, like, the the um, the pink. It, it is. It's, it's a dull yeah, fuchsia. It's a dull fuchsia. It looks phenomenal against like that gray. And so when we look at the love struck paints for the ships, like the Scorpius looks amazing with kind of the gunmetal gray with the fuchsia highlights. I, I love the color scheme. And then of course the top like slider or whatever it's going to be called on this rifle. The top part is like a, a darker like magenta. I love the color scheme. It actually looks actually looks really good. Okay. Yep. For in the subscriber store, so this is the additional item that anybody has to like pay money to get, is the Gemini R97, the Kismet shotgun. Quote, protect yourself and your loved one with a special Kismet edition of the R97 shotgun, featuring pink and black coloring reminiscent of the ship Yuri Ilion flew to track. Got it, Trekking. <laughs> Flew to track down his last lover, the Karzan Tan, in the classic vid, Cormor. And that is $5, for those of you interested. Uh, okay, you know what's funny? I actually got those... <laughs> I got those ships mixed up, or the, the, the rifles mixed up when I was describing them. So the Gemini R97 Kismet shotgun, this uh, was in the player's right hand. So this is the Fuchsia uh, against the gray with the magenta kind of top. The Castic Arms Fate Rifle is, the, it's actually white, 
the top is white with like the fuchsia highlights and the bottom is that gunmetal gray with the fuchsia highlights still very sexy love the color scheme it's just funny i got i got them mixed up <laughs> awesome back to the article earnable in game our goal is to make most items earnable in game for this reason many subscribers flare items have been added to the in game loot table as rare drops starting from alpha 317 onwards okay and if you scroll down you got the shoveler where you can find the three items again the posters are going to be amazing when those persistent hangers come and you're able to like actually decorate can't wait for that day and then it gets into the vehicles of the month we already covered this but here's your aries inferno which grew on me so quickly during siege of orison but you have the Ares Inferno, the Ares Ion, and then of course the Arrow that we all, all subscribers, have access to this year. So I don't, a pretty decent, um, a pretty decent month. I love. Again, at some point, at some point we will have hangers to decorate. So I love the posters. That's going to be really awesome aesthetically hanging around your, your hanger. Uh, a couple months ago, we had, like, was it plants? We had potted plants one month. Like, those items to put around your hanger is what's going to make your hanger unique and yours. Can't wait. It's just they're worthless right now. <laughs> Every hanger decoration is absolutely worthless, although I like where they're headed. Okay, let's do this. Red Festival 2954, also known as the Lunar New Year. This is the year of the dog. So I'm sharing my screen for those of you on YouTube. You're able to see the visual. Um, the paint schemes are amazing. It's it's that red and gold with uh, the red with gold highlights. Um, they actually have the image of like the year of the dog, year of the dragon. They actually have the image on the ships. I think that's a very nice touch. It shows the future of paint jobs and what that could look like. Uh, four ships, but let's just uh, let's go into this. So celebrate the dawn of new adventures. The Red Festival, and you know this from several episodes ago. The Red Festival is a celebration of renewal and remembrance with roots in old earth customs that marked the end of a loony solar year, an ancient calendar system based on Luna's Sol 3A cycles. Celebrants honor the festival with a variety of traditions that differ greatly depending on the system and community participating. Common activities include wearing red, a color that symbolizes good fortune, honoring friends and relatives by sharing stories, and eating foods long in length, such as cask tentacles or dyed red noodles, and the exchange of gilded red envelopes representing good fortune to come. Red Festival referrals. Here we go. So we're going to kind of hint at the referral program, and then we're actually going to move to the um, the website that discusses the referral program specifically. Okay. All right. Red Festival referrals. New year, new friends. From February 8th through February 26th, refer a friend and secure a Drake Dragonfly along with a special edition Red Festival armor and weapon package for the both of you. So I think it was last episode I questioned, like, is the Dragonfly something that you can uh, take uh, in space or is it just a ground vehicle? We we've confirmed that you are able to take it in space. And Groza, a member of our organization, had a really good strategic point. It's like if you're able to get... Um, 
like security post Korea, if you're able to get close, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand, five thousand kilometers away, um, and just kind of keep your ship there, whatever will fit the dragonfly. Um, take the dragonfly that has a smaller signature, it's more nimble, you more than likely will not get spotted, or again, it's gonna be really, really hard to spot you. Um, take that the rest of the distance to get to your location. That would also make sense um, when we go to Merc missions, like on bunkers, um, landing your ship about a thousand clicks out and taking your speeder bike, right? Your Nox or Dragonfly, taking that to the actual bunker itself so you're not being attacked by the turrets. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I, I, I think that's a great idea. It's funny, I always... Again, in 45 episodes of this show, you know that that's what I love doing in Merc missions. When there's bunker missions, I love parking a, a click away or a thousand clicks away um, and then getting the rest of the distance with like an STV or some like the Lynx, a really sexy like, ground vehicle, right? Um, I didn't even think about doing that in space. I've always just taken my happy ass straight to security post Korea and getting blown out of the sky. So <laughs> this makes a lot of sense. I digress. We're still on referrals, but uh, it's a pretty decent. It's a pretty decent uh, referral bonus. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you're interested in participating, you can actually find my referral bonus inside the show description. Though I will never really market that. Don't care. Like I personally don't care because I have most of the ships in the game, right, wrong, or indifferent. <laughs> Um, but it helps you, right? It helps you out with getting started and getting some gear and getting a free ship. So, all right. Auspacious paint schemes. Uh, again, this grew on me. I didn't really like the McDonald's coloring <laughs> up to this uh, up to this point. Um, but actually seeing it in game, uh, like especially, especially with the 600i, the paint scheme's amazing. It is very, very, very well done. Um, so they went after the Origin ships this year. Um, so you can see in the picture, you can see the 400i, the 600i. Um, here is their X1, right, the speeder bikes. And then here is the 100 series uh, Origin, but it's got that dog kind of plastered um, on the back left tailwind. What is that, port? I don't know anymore. Starboard, Star, I think starboard is left, I don't know. I'm done. I'm done trying. I'm not, I wasn't Navy. I was Army, okay? Auspacious paint schemes. Here we go. Outfits several popular origin ships and vehicles with two all-new libraries paying homage to both 2954's Year of the Dog in-game and 2024's Year of the Dragon here in our current timeline. And for additional prosperity, you can pick up previous year's auspacious red paints and vehicles for a limited time. All right, they're doing more of this during events, but additions or modifications to Arena Commander. So this more than likely means next Org Knight will be doing something in Arena Commander, right? But there's new modes. Let's get into it. Log into Arena Commander for a special new Kill Collector mode and collect holographic challenge coins from your felled opponents. See how many you can get before your luck runs out. The top scorer in a round earns a limited time Red Festival Challenge Coin. Super awesome. That's really cool. And I love how that is translating. Like your work in Arena Commander is translating into stuff you're getting in Star Citizen. 
I'm assuming the same will happen with Squadron 42, right? What you do in Squadron 42 could impact what you have and what you get in your hangers in Star Citizen. I love that. Everything about it. Let's keep going. Year of the Dog envelopes. Find red envelopes across the system and turn them in for fun and profit. It's uh, kind of the same concept as like the presents, right? The gift boxes during Luminalia. Plus, receive your own special 2954 Year of the Dog envelope to display in your hangar for years to come if you visit Stanton during the Red Festival. So log in and get yours. <laughs> A fortunate opportunity. I posted this yesterday. If you're listening to this podcast, it's too late. <laughs> but yesterday, they, uh, which is all the more reason to follow us on socials. It's all socials forward slash BTV underscore cast. The 890 jump was available to get in game or not in game uh, to purchase in the pledge store. It's a limited whole ship or a limited stock ship. So just like IAE or Invictus launch week with those limited stock ships, you had certain waves, um, three chances to get the 890 jump. So quote, good luck has certainly smiled upon the verse this year, inspiring origin to launch a surprise flash sale featuring the limited stock of the legendary 890 jump super yacht. And again, it's too late now. So wave one was February 8th at 4 p.m. UTC. Wave two was February 9th at midnight UTC. And then wave three was February 9th at 800 or 8 a.m. UTC. So it's too late now, but hopefully uh, you were able to secure your 890 jump. Really do hope so. Again, flying it last night with 15 people in it. Amazing. An amazing, amazing night. All right, we're almost done. Well, sort of. We're like three-fourths of the way done through Lunar New Year. Here's some featured packs, right? The 100i, the 400i. These come with paints. Um, so there you go. So 100, the 100i Red Festival starter pack, the 400i, the Carrick, a spacious package, right? Carrick's probably one of the best ships in the game still, especially when they get drone operator loops in. All right, so we have ship paints. This year's pack is $51.80. That's gonna give you all of the origin paint jobs, right? So again, on my screen, you're seeing both, and, and, it, and it's for both, right? So it's it's both the dog, the year of the dog, and the year of the dragon. So you're seeing two of everything. So two 600 eyes, two 400 eyes, two 100 eyes, and the two X1s, right? So $51.80, and then you can get each individual one. It looks like they're all about five dollars. Four hundred I is eleven dollars. Six hundred I is thirteen dollars. X ones are back to five. All right, and then you can go back historically and get the returning paints, right? So all the returning paints, uh, twenty dollars and forty cents for twenty nine fifty threes. I think twenty nine fifty two was seventeen dollars, right? And I think that's. Nope, we got 2951 as well, but it's not a pack. It just shows the individuals. Yeah, so for 2951, you don't get the pack, but you have to buy each one individually, and that's the Freelancer and the Nomad. Last, well, second to last, red alert gear. If you like your red and black color scheme, you can get uh, the weapons and armor set for $62.30. You can get the weapon set, right, for $16. Uh, and then the armor... I think you have to get it with a weapon system. Looks like the armor has to come with a weapon system. So there's a shot armor plus shotgun, armor plus uh, SMG, 
submachine gun, armor, uh, the armor and sniper rifle, armor and assault rifle, and the armor and LMG, light machine gun. This is last. Uh, all right, so the Prosper ships, there's 21 vehicles that hit the pledge store uh, for your buying perusal. So let's just go through these real quick. The 100i, the 125 Alpha, the 135 Charlie, the 400i, 600i Explorer, 600i Touring, the C8R Pisces, which is a phenomenal medical ship, the C8X Pisces, the Carrick, Constellation Andromeda, Constellation Aquila, Constellation Taurus, the Freelancer, Freelancer Durr, the Freelancer Max, the Freelancer Miss, the Nomad, the Saber, I need to pick myself up the Saber. I might actually wait for Invictus Launch Week to pick up the Comet Saber, but that Saber is sexy. All right. The X1, X1 Force, X1 Velocity, and back to the 100i. And you got some upgrade specials. You have a 400i upgrade special, 600i Explorer upgrade special, and the Anvil Carrick upgrade special. Goodness, and that's just one event. <laughs> We still have to go through Valentine's Day and Cormore. Uh, but before we do that, let's get into the referral bonus. And again, this is probably a good segue or a good um, injection of the rest of the show. So we're going to go through the referral bonus, which goes with the Lunar New Year. We'll go through Cormore, and then we'll get to Inside Star Citizen, and then we'll end with the Roadmap Roundup. All right. Back to the referral bonus. Here we go. And we covered most of this. These are just the specifics, right? To ring in a prosperous new year as part of the Red Festival, we're inviting you to join in our Lunar New Year 2024 referral promotion. When you refer a friend, you can receive a Drake Dragonfly Red Alert armor set with the undersuit and backpack plus a shotgun for free. And so it shows you the picture, and again, it repeats all the different items that you get. Specifically, it's the CDS ADP Mark IV Red Alert armor, which is the arms, core, helmet, and legs. Then you get the TS, uh, the, the TCS4 Red Alert Undersuit, the CSB68 Heavy Red Alert Backpack, and the Ravager 212 Red Alert Shotgun. Then you got some Q&As. Um, I don't think the Q&As are really appropriate for a podcast. If you're, um, if you're interested, go to the website, kind of read it through. But it's like, what is a referral bonus? How do I refer a friend? Um, it's pretty straightforward, right? Okay, for the sake of time, I'm just going to keep going straight into the Valentine's Day Core War event 2954. Still sharing my screen. Yes, confirmed. Here we go. Valentine's Day Core War 2954. The universe is a daunting place, brimming with unavoidable danger, unfathomable weirdness. Yes, and violent confrontation. But taking on this savage galaxy is a little less scary when you're doing it with someone you love. Pictures, videos, beautiful. Back to the article. This core more, don't rush headlong into the action alone. Grab your sweetheart, best bud, or most trusted co-conspirator. Uh, co Get strapped up with special edition guns, armors, ship paints, and take on the star system together. Arena Commander, Duo Showdown, and Additional Arena Commander. Like I said, most events are now also impacting Arena Commander. Quote, grab an accomplice and log into Arena Commander for some jolly cooperation in this all-new 2 verse 2 dogfight competition. 
Prove your partnership is better than the rest and earn an in-game limited time Cormore challenge coin. So there's your second chance to get a limited edition coin. Right? In both events. In Arena Commander. Love struck all over again. Quote, inspired by the traditional colors of Cormore, slap the love struck paint scheme on your Argo workhorses and instantly heat up any job site, evacuation, or rescue operation. And if you're looking to reconnect with an old fling, previous year's love struck paints and vehicles are available to pick up for a limited time. So when I was talking everyone through the subscriber flare, and I was really incorrectly <laughs> describing the shotgun versus the rifle, this is the paint scheme I was referencing on the ships. It is a matted gray, so kind of a gunmetal gray, if you will, and a, I would say matted, it still looks metallic, but kind of a dull metallic, like fuchsia highlights. It looks great. It looks so so well done and so you'll see the argo quote-unquote workhorses here in this image but when we get down to like the scorpius when we get down to the other um previous years ships the paint looks amazing they did such a good job with this color scheme in my opinion all right moving on anything for core armor Brave the most dangerous corners of the verse in your quest for love and look dead sexy in the process with two new core more themed armor sets. First date in the verse community contest. Where would you go? What would you do? And what would you wear on a first date in Stanton? Screenshot contest for the chance to win some steamy prizes. Again, like I said, nowhere in Hurston. <laughs> I know. There's just nothing redeemable about the Hurston system. But I, I can't wait to see what the community comes up with. It's a beautiful game. There's a lot of interesting locations that I have yet to find, cave systems that I have yet to find, river systems and microtech that apparently exist, but I still have not been able to find. And the one place, it's called Cornerstone, the website Cornerstone, the one place to find out where these locations are, it's still confusing as hell. And it says, like, go halfway between these orbital markers, turn your ship to this degree, and travel X number of meters. Like, it is very difficult, but there are some beautiful, beautiful locations that are uncharted around Stanton. So I can't wait to see what everybody comes up with. Fly free. Oh, we got some free ships to fly. Here we go. Whether it's an exciting new romance or reigniting an old flame, from now through February 15th, you can test fly five iconic ships for free. The Nomad, the 100i, 400i, Scorpius, and Prospector. So honestly, like, God, this is the best time to get into Star Citizen, even for just a season. Like, I know when 323 comes out, it'll be rough. I know when Pyro 4.0 comes out in the summer, it's going to be rough. I, I get it. It's going to be rough. There's never really a best time to get into Star Citizen. But right now, there's a lot going on. A lot of ships, a lot of paints. It's free to fly. Now is probably a good time to dip your toe in the water. Hit up my link in the description if you're interested. Alright, ship packs. 
Uh, the Nomad starter pack, again, one of my favorite starter ships. I actually really like the Nomad. It has grav left technology, so um, when you're on ground, you're levitating, right? You're a couple of feet off the ground. It's unique in that, in that way. Um, then you have the Romantic Getaway Pack, which is a bunch of pink and fuchsia and magenta color scheme, right? $125, though. So it's like the ships and the armor. All right. And then limited time love struck paints. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here's this year's Argo love struck paint, right? For $27.20. Then you have the mole, the individuals, right? The mole, SRV, MPUV, uh, and the raft. And then you can go back in time. And here's your love struck paint six pack, hover quad, the arrow, the cyclone, which looks amazing. I guess another reference back to my Jeep. I actually really like the cyclone because um, it reminds me of off-roading. Um, so the cyclone looks really good in that paint scheme. Here's your Nomad, here's your Aries, and there is your Scorpius. Again, I think the Scorpius looks absolutely phenomenal in this color scheme. Love it. Here are your Cormor armor sets to go back in time and buy them. I really like the Envy armor set. Um, it's really like the patterns and the etching that is done on the helmets. Very well done in the Envy armor set. And last but not least, an additional 22 vehicles. So again, here are more opportunities to spend more money in the pledge store. 22 additional vehicles on top of the 21 additional vehicles from the Lunar New Year. Let's go. Ares Inferno, Ares Ion, Arrow. Sorry about that. Cyclone, Cyclone Alpha Alpha, or Anti-Air, right? The Cyclone MT, the Cyclone RC, the Cyclone RN, the Cyclone TR. Here is the F7CM Super Hornet Heartseeker. This is your one time this year to get to this ship. So if you want to spend the $200 ship value, <laughs> Uh, it's got some special upgrade offers as well, but this is your one chance to get the F7C with this livery. Again, it's got that poster uh, image on the left of the pilot seat. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's on the co-pilot seat as well. Might just be a one-seater. I'm losing my mind here. Um, but it's right on the cockpit side. Beautiful scheme. It's white and red. Looks great. One chance to get it. Hover quad, the mole the MPUV cargo, the MPUV personnel, the Nomad, the Prospector, the Raft, the ROC, which is a mining ship, the ROC DS, the SRV, the Scorpius, and the Scorpius Antares. So there you go. There's your 22 vehicles and like the Lunar New Year, there's some upgrade options. Here's your Hornet Heartseeker upgrade option, your Argo Mole, your misc prospector upgrade options Woo, man there's so much there is so so much in these two events alone a lot to unpack in february so i i appreciate you hanging hanging with me through this podcast we're not done with core more yet um here's your contest or your um uh, seasonal external events that uh that it's providing or that offers you so we're going to get into that then we will get an inside star citizen and end with a roadmap roundup stay with me here we go <clears throat> as i die before i speak here we go pursuits for pairs it's core more season whether it's your partner in crime and org mate or your trusty co-pilot star citizen is better together 
Ready to jump in arm in arm? We've put together a few tips and activities below that can be done with a co-pilot by your side. First things first, uh, before you jump in the verse, make sure you and your co-pilot are on each other's friends list as well as in Parney. This ensures you wind up in the same server. Your friend list is visible on the main menu after you've logged in for the first time. Hit add friend button. So basically this is a guide on how to play with your friends and what to do. Um, so I might actually go through this a lot quicker than word for word. So bring things to heal your, yourself and others, right? Your med pens are for yourself, but the paramed tool is for your friends. So you should always have a paramed tool on you at all times. Um, activities, it has a shoveler of the five activities. So there's a picture and a description of mining, salvage, bounty hunting, mercenary missions, and then partners in crime, uh, which is basically doing, doing the dirty. <laughs> uh, there you go. So again, I think it's faster, probably easier to just go through it on a high level. And then there's the last minute, like referring your friend, referral bonus ends on February 26th. So there we go. If we're gonna cut time, that's probably a great place to cut time on. Okay, Inside Star Citizen. For the next 15 minutes, we're gonna go through expanding branding. Uh, let me share my screen real quick. Quote, how does the role of branding shape the persistent universe? Grab your favorite Wham Burger and join us for this episode of Inside Star Citizen as we navigate through how branding breathes immersion and narrative into every aspect it touches. So again, if you're listening to this podcast, more than likely you have an affinity or an appreciation for lore. Lore is supplemented. It is enhanced by branding right when you walk around and you see certain color combinations or design language you know that you're in a crusader influenced area or maybe a hurston or um an origin series like the fancy and the nice edging um, it's that it's that branding that makes the game feel more alive and kind of seamless and makes it make sense it makes it give purpose so i find value in something like this last week we had a we had a very um a very attractive 323 preview like flashed at us and it was a great 15 minutes this is going to be probably less exciting for some but i think it's as meaningful in my personal opinion and the team that does the branding deserves this moment in the spotlight they do a lot that flies under the radar so let me go ahead and fire everything up um shut up for a couple of seconds and let y'all just enjoy so here we go one of the major mandates of our evergreen programming is to highlight and explore the works of as many teams contributing to the creation of our universe as possible. And on this continuing road to Alpha 323, 4.0, and beyond, we periodically detour onto the proverbial side streets, if you would, and dedicate some time to those aspects you might not discover following the development of any other game. So on this week's show, I'm proud to highlight a team dedicated to bringing a creative flourish visual consistency, and contextual meaning to the various companies, factions, and societies of the Persistent Universe, the branding team from CIG Montreal. Hell yeah, let's go. All right, um, where to start? Yeah. <laughs> 
I joined the team. This guy kind of reminds me of Colin Farrell. I don't know. I could be wrong. Not to like butcher him or insult him or anybody else. He reminds me of Colin Farrell when you just just watch it and think. Let me know. <laughs> in January, about two years ago it was, I was coming in from an experience at another company where I had set up the first branding team for a video game, which was a really inter interesting experience. So when I heard about the, uh, the opportunity to do it for Star Citizen and build a branding team for a project like that was something that is, you know, you don't want to pass up on. When I stepped into the first, first few months doing, you know, a bit of a due diligence, looking at the state of um, what we have in the game already in terms of branding, logos, the different manufacturers and all the brands, the factions. Ten years worth of material being put into the game, often being done by, you know, different artists or different parties and for different reasons also, you know. There was just a, a, a wide variety of styles. There would be a lot of, like, different interpretations for a single brand. And that was something that I noticed right away and I wanted to tackle as soon as I joined the team is to try and bring some a unifying vision, a bit more consistency to, you know, just help support the Star Citizen narrative, also to augment greatly uh, in terms of immersion. And that was something that I noticed right away and I wanted to tackle as soon as I joined the team. game branding is not only about defining like creating logos and nice posters and cute little signs we get involved with character design the ships you know creating the manufacturers for the ships we touch marketing we touch web it's just such a wide range of different applications and topics that we that we go through i think it's uh it's as important as any other parts of the uh, of the game it creates a brand cohesion and a really good uh, immersion for the player. If it comes to, yeah, obviously like brands and logos, you know, if it's a ship, you know, make it look real professional, like it's a, you know, like in real life, like a fancy car company or something like that, you know? Well, branding is an important part of the, the environment development. You know, developing the locations, I think it, it helps a lot with the immersion. One of the things that we've tackled uh, recently is some navigational signage for, for the landing zone. So, you know, putting up maps, putting up signage, different assets that we add to the game to help the player understand his environment, understand the gameplay, understand the locations. So one of the things we called out in last night's Orgnite uh, exploring jump points was at the jump points, it looks like a truck stop, right? Yeah, the, the banners, the advertisements, um, this is what they're talking about. That That's owned by the branding team. So when you fly over Hurston and the new work that was done in Lorville, right? Um, all that is branding team. When you're walking around area 18 and like it looks like cyberpunk, right? Um, that branding, and the marketing, it's all done by this team. So props to you, again, in last night, being at the truck stops at the jump points, it was something that we all noticed. The 15 of us flat out called out how amazing it was and the future of what could be on those signs. Um, absolutely looking forward to it. Good work. The story, the narrative. It adds a visual component to the narrative uh, to create a more impactful story. So you have uh, the brand 
like the, the narrative that people know, but then with the visuals, we can add an extra layer to it. Instar Citizen, especially for the manufacturers, you know, everything revolves around ships, and the manufacturers are very important in their core to uh, the gameplay and the identity of the game. And I noticed that, you know, a lot of these very important brands didn't have that unifying vision that we were looking for. So Mirai was a new brand that we created, which was um, basically a performance division of, of MISC. So when you look at Mirai, we start off with uh, brand and positioning, um, the brand bio, so a history of the brand, basically. A little bit what they're about, uh, a tagline. So this is where, you know, we're collaborating with the narrative team to, to come up with these, uh, the information for this. And then that is the first, the, the, the starting point. That's all part of the, uh, the brand style guide. A style guide is for everyone to really get to understand the company. And we you try to keep it simple, but you put all the elements you need, like the logos, the colors, you're allowed to use the typography that goes with that company, even shapes. Every company has colors. If the primary color is blue, let's say you can't, you can't go out and do like branding for that company or make it like red, you know? So we're all trying to like tie everything together to make sure everybody's on the same page. What's interesting about Drake is it was one of the first brands that I had to interact with when I joined the company. First thing I did. Okay, they're about to get into Drake. If you're a fan of this podcast, you know how I feel about Drake. First off, I now drive a Jeep, <laughs> which is basically the Drake of real life. Um, so I love, I will say this, I love like piecemealing and making it look unique as put together like a Lego, like a Lego set, right? But can't wait for the Kraken. I think there are some really nice versions of Drake. <laughs> I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. Um, but he's about to get into some descriptors about Drake that uh, I just really want to hit home with listeners. It is the redheaded stepchild of the ship manufacturers and Star Citizen. Just had to call that out. It was research a little bit about the brand and noticed that there was a lot of multiple versions and interpretations of the brand. That was the first one that we had to make a hard call on, you know, what this brand is and how, how do we define it. So Drake, we wanted to bring it in a little bit closer to the essence of the brand. It's more, uh, not the black sheep, but the outcast, if you will, in the manufacturers. So it's always tried to get in with the big boys at Fleet Week, but it's never managed, hence why they have their defense con. Um, a little bit on the side. Um, so we wanted to tie into that and wanted to have that, not that evil vibe to it, but that, you know, the outcast vibe, a little bit rebellious. Um, so the black and red was an obvious choice. And it's something that we had already in the game for Defense Con, and I thought that worked better than anything else that we had um, previously yeah. produced. Same thing, we're looking at uh, Crusader. We noticed that ships are using uh, red and gray branding on the ships for Crusader. Um, if you visit Horizon, there's a, a, a showroom that they have there that's completely all black and white. If you walk around the halls on Horizon, you notice there's uh, some branding for Crusader that is blue and white. So we had, again, multiple interpretations of the same brand, and we wanted to unify that, bring it in a little bit more. So we started looking at the brand itself, what was interesting, what felt right with its, the essence that was, um, you know, 
put forward by narrative and the, and, and the lore and also, you know, through the community. And we uh, came up with the, the version of Crusader that we have now. So obviously touching these brands, you know, 10 years in uh, on a project, there's a lot of history on the game. You know, it meets some resistance and, you know, you got to be careful on how far you go into updating the brands, even if it's for the better. It's always good to respect, you know, the work that's been done prior. But uh, all in all, a uh, very good experience uh, so far. And I think we're making some good progress on a lot of these. In addition to making all the branding for you, for the players, we uh, also make stuff for us. Working on tools as well, this one of the things that I noticed when I joined is we didn't have a proper uh, channel to communicate to everyone freely and openly and in a, in a way that would you know, encourage the devs and everybody on the t different various teams to actually use these tools, these style guides and these resources that we are, we're creating for them. So we uh, came up with the idea of creating a brand catalog. So the brand catalog is for in-house, so it's, uh, it's the documents that will be used for all the teams where the whole of the information for all the manufacturer brands mostly will be found and you will have downloadable links for all the assets so everything will become super cohesive uh, for in-house and also when everything comes out in game and in marketing uh, everything will have the same all the manufacturer brands will have the same look and feel so we uh, starting it off with the manufacturers obviously they are front and center but um, it will grow, grow into, you know, all the rest of the brands that we, we see in the, in, the, in, in the universe. Pyro was, I think, is one of my favorite mandates we've done so far for the branding team. Um, not only because uh, we're touching a specific aspect um, of branding that is not, like, not often talked about, also because uh, we have the right team members to tackle this sort of mandate and it was a lot of fun for it because the team was really excited about that. Graffiti is uh, another part of, uh, of my background which uh, me and Max uh, worked uh, a lot on this aspect in, back in the days in our lives. So we had a lot of fun building uh, the graffiti structure. Each graffiti style were really existing graffiti style from all around the world, and uh, we had to reproduce as much accurately possible the uh, tags, uh, throw-ups, uh, murals, or any aspect of the realness of graffiti, which that was a lot of fun. Basically, like we drew all the graffiti, and we, we made their space look really uh, grimy, and uh, the signage, you know, the relic signage, uh, but lots of graffiti too, lots of like faded, dirty layers and layers of stuff on the walls. So it was really amazing to see how uh, they, they took some visuals that existed that the environment team had created and they came in and went over this with the different graffiti. So they really developed like all the layers that you need for it to feel real. That was something that, uh, you know, is very rich and is extremely fun to bring forward with the visuals and the branding. And at that point, it's, it's more than branding. It becomes like storytelling, basically, right? You're telling a story through all the elements that you're putting on the walls and in the environment that help sell the lore and, again, augment immersion and the experience for the player. Defining the factions 
that we found in like in Checkmate Station by the, the, the Rough and Ready was a lot of fun. Creating that the identity of a faction, a gang, right, um, in space, in 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 a derelict, abandoned station in the middle of nowhere. I think you really get a vibe when you when you get there, when you enter the the zone. Like you, right away, you know it's it's rough and ready. They made the logo like a big sculpture, so I thought this was pretty cool. From like where it started to where it's at now, I think the graffiti and the sculpture does it mostly. Had the opportunity to work with the character team to define a little bit of the uh, tattoos that go in line with the direction that we had, you know, for the type of faction we wanted this this gang to look like. I started the brainstorm around tattoos, which were all uh, bring a bit of like uh, violence and of contrast on parts of the skins of the character design. So we had specific references. We had as targets and a special feel that we wanted to have with this gang because there's not only one gang, there's multiple, and they all need to have, you know, each their own unique identity. There's a part of me who always wanted to be a tattoo artist, but I think this kind of work is uh, is a work of art uh, by itself. So uh, the character artists really managed to bring a lot of the visual identity we started from. All the polishing was uh, really the character artist who managed a great job. Well, to me, I think the, the branding side is uh, often looked over, and I think we, like, we're building a team here to put an emphasis on the branding side. Every little thing, the little graffiti and, you know, the logos and the signage, the navigational signage, everything. I think we're trying to push it a little further. It's all about making one step closer to the real world, which we're surrounded every day by branding and either textures, typography, everything. I think uh, we're the cherry on top of the sundae. I think it makes, I think that branding makes the whole game feel more real. And I think this is where we can also develop like this em emotional connection to everything that you see in game and uh, everything that the player uses, buys and interacts with. The opportunity to do graphic design and advertisement, fake advertisement within a game so rich and deep as Star Citizen is, I mean, I don't know a graphic designer that wouldn't want to like to contribute or participate or be part of a team like this. I mean, there's so much, so much variety. There's so much to do. The lore and the narrative is so rich. It's just a never-ending stream of opportunity to create really cool stuff. So what did we learn this week? Well, hopefully we learned that branding is for more than just marketing uses. It's a tool and an artistry that can apply to many aspects of universe creation, including signage, personal identity, and maintaining a universe of internal consistency that doesn't break immersion. Now, don't forget that our Lunar New Year, Coramore, and the associated FreeFly events all start today. So you can mosey on over to the robertspaceindustries.com website for details. For Inside Star Citizen, I'm Jared Huckabee. Thanks for letting us share the process of game development with you, and we'll see you all here next week. Well, I think Jared summed it up uh, obviously better than than I could, but the it, it's that connection. 
Uh, it's that connection that ties us to the game. Yes, it can be transactional. You can get into game, do your bounty hunting mission, and back off and um, or log off, and you miss some of those details. So yes, it's going to happen, and it probably happens more frequently than you know than we like to admit. But that last video, the last piece of the video that showed like the different branding around all the locations on the back of ships like the new Mirai fury um or the uh, the Mirai racing series it has like the branding on the tail uh, uh the uh, well the tail pipes um it looks like a nascar uh, racing vehicle like it, it it's just it's extremely well done What's funny is like last night, one of our org members made the joke about, you know, have we gotten our Star Citizen tattoos yet? <laughs> More than likely, if you're going to be getting a Star Citizen tattoo, it's going to be coming from the branding team, <laughs> right? Like it's just the, it's these teams that fly under the radar that their product is right in front of your face. And if you don't take a second, and thanks for Jared for doing this, thanks for the Inside Star Citizen for doing this, but if you don't highlight those teams, credit will never be given where credit is due. I loved this Inside Star Citizen. It's very closely um, related to lore and how we attach ourselves to this game. Okay, we have made it. We have made it to the end of the podcast where we discuss the namesake of our podcast, the roadmap roundup and the January monthly report for Star Citizen. Let's do it. Share my screen for those of you on YouTube, the roadmap roundup. This is a hefty, hefty one. Let me just go ahead and open up the actual release view so we'll go through that as well. All right, as that loads. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Every two weeks, we accompany the roadmap update with a brief explanatory note to give you insight into the decision-making that led to any changes. This is part of an effort to make our communications more transparent, more specific, and more insightful for all of you who help to make Star Citizen and Squadron 42 possible. With that said, let's go ahead and dive into this week's roadmap roundup. Here we go. Notable changes for February 7th in the release view, which we'll get into the release view here in a second as you're seeing on the screen now. We'll get into this in just a moment. Number one, replication layer update. Quote, testing continues for this important update to the Persistent Universe's backend database. This release will remain fluid in regards to timing as edge cases are solved and performance is optimized. With this publish, we're moving this card to the Alpha 323 column, but keep an eye on Spectrum and the Tech Preview channel for the latest on the replication layer. All right, the following cards have been added to the release view, targeting a release in the Alpha 322 patch cycle. So between now and Alpha 323, Arena Commander Gravlev Racing, introducing a new experimental mode to Arena Commander featuring Gravlev vehicles racing through five new maps. The Snake Pit, Snake Pit Reverse, Clio Islands, River, uh, River's Edge, and Shifting Sands. And for those of you who might not know what Gravlev means, it's it's like gravity levitation. So think Dragonfly, think Nox. It's the technology that allows vehicles to actually hover. And it's not that it's just invisible wheels. There's actual physics built into it where it's hovering over rocks and different um, 
uh, elements or barriers on the ground. So it's a calculation. Again, it's not invisible wheels. It's really, really well done. The following cards have been added to release view in the Alpha 323 patch cycle, currently targeting an April 2024 release. So this is the first time that you see the April 2024 release target. That's Q2, right? Star map rework, Moby glass rework, FPS map system, personal and instanced hangars, freight elevators, item bank and unique item recovery, new missions cargo hauling, dynamic crosshairs, EVA V2 or version 2, FPS loot screen, new character customizer, visor and lens HUD rework, distribution centers, dynamic event blockade runner, reputation hostility, player interaction experiences, master modes. That is 17 items that are targeted for Alpha 323. And each one of those I just listed has a description for time's sake. We're not gonna go into that because the monthly report will explain it in more detail. Here is the release view for 323. Again, if you're a patron of this podcast or YouTube channel, um, you've seen us do this before. But these are basically the timelines. 322 launched December 14th of 2023. Uh, with these items here, we now have the 323 tentative Q2 2024 entry. And so you can come through here on your own accord and this will be updated. So I personally visit this probably once or twice uh, each week, but you can go into characters and see new character customizer, locations, distribution centers, gameplay, there's 13 entries into gameplay, which we covered most of that. Ships and vehicles, here's your master modes. That's a huge game changer. Weapons and items with the dynamic crosshair. And then Cortec, which is the replication layer. And again, each one of these has a little descriptor. It's good to come to these when you have that question. You're like, oh man, what was what was the thing about the HUD improvements? Or what was that what was that star map you know thing that was mentioned? Come to this website, right? Go to gameplay, find where it says star map. Here's your FPS map system, right? Implementing a mini map for the HUD as well as interior maps for FPS gameplay, right? Uh, EVA 2, here's your star map rework, the new and improved star map with improved visuals and usability, right? You can open up, you can take this big screen image as, I say gospel, that's kind of, it's kind of disrespectful, but <laughs> it's, it's like what they're currently promised, you know, to produce. So I recommend the release view, um, but let's actually get into the monthly report and then we will wrap up the podcast upon completing uh, this roadmap update or this monthly report. So here we go. The PU monthly report for January 2024. We will cover the Squadron 42 monthly report next week. Welcome to January's PU Monthly Report. Our teams kicked off the new year strong by making significant progress in a variety of areas, including ships, locations, AI, and UI. Let's go. The AI Features Team. AI Features began the year working on a key AI-driven initiative for Alpha 323. This involved a variety of improvements and new behaviors that required frequent discussions between various disciplines. AI Tech Team. Started 2024, picking up where they left off last year. For example, they added the ability for multiple NPCs to use ladders simultaneously when moving in the same direction, which completes the feature. 
The transit system received upgrades to make the use transit logic smoother and more robust when handling fails, retries, and fallbacks. For NPCs using elevators, the flow was improved to create a more efficient sequence. For example, characters won't be seen going back and forth anymore and will instead board the elevator directly, eliminating unnecessary waiting or interim positions. The development of generating navigation mesh on planets continued, particularly close to poles, to support outposts, uh, outpost locations with NPCs. To achieve this, a new tile name system for planets was implemented, which translates position locations into terrain patch IDs for more accurate navigation around poles. AI Tech also continued to support the designers with additional functionalities and quality of life fixes for Apollo. This includes the ability to delete functions directly from the multi-graph view, enhanced clicking behavior when zoomed out far enough, improved menu options, and functionality to define shops and platforms. For spaceship behaviors, the latest fixes and changes to the new pilot combat behavior were included in the new Arena Commander mode added in Alpha 322. The team are currently developing a new data loading procedure for subsumption data. This will allow stricter requirements on the data so they can immediately identify issues. This functionality will be enabled as an additional step when submitting for validation. Alongside these highlights, AI Tech continue to support release builds and address numerous smaller improvements and bug fixes. The Characters Art Team In January, the Character Art Team completed the racing flight suit and its helmet and continued working on headhunter outfits. The character concept art team began exploring legendary armors and worked on a handoff sheets. The ship's art team. Last month, the RSI Zeus continued to progress through the gray box stage with some areas moving slightly beyond. The team are currently focusing on finishing various areas, including the entrance ladder and engineering while polishing previous areas to make them match the contemporary RSI style. A previously announced vehicle completed its LODO, or Level of Detail Zero, phase, with the team also working on paints throughout January. Quote, Some areas have already made it through final content, and we hope to be completely hands-off in a couple of weeks before moving on to additional promised content work. End quote. <coughs> Excuse me. The RSI Polaris is currently in gray box, with modular pieces done for the lifts, habs, corridors, and hangar. An unannounced ship progressed well, receiving an updated lighting pass, including POMs to meet the current visual standard, three different lighting states, standardized headlights, geo updates, and glows in the thrusters. It also received a material refactor and other updates. Two variants continued development. One moved through Graybox and began the Level of Detail Zero phase, while the other completed Limit of <laughs> Level of Detail Zero, and it's awaiting its gate review. Several related bugs were also fixed. Finally, for ship art, gold standard work on the Aegis Retaliator began. The Weapons Art Team January saw the weapons art team uh, redesigning and changing the dimensions of weapons optics. Improvements were also made to the FPS weapon wear map, while, uh, while various animations were fixed for ship weapons. Community. 
The community team kicked off the new year by announcing the winners of the Luminalia greeting card contest. They received hundreds of submissions from passionate backers who created wonderful pieces of art. Community and other team participated in the Daymar Rally organized by Atmo Esports. CIG's bike and buggy teams uh, performed alongside other players, competing in the dirtiest race in the verse. Quote, this event was a blast, and participating in the Daymar Rally was a great way to enjoy Star Citizen with everyone, connect with the community, and compete in the greatest marathon in Stanton. Quote, they then published the Arena Commander's schedule as a comm link for better visibility. This will be updated every month so that everyone can discover the new game modes coming to Arena Commander. The team also spent a considerable amount of time planning CitizenCon 2954. More information to come very soon. Finally, members of the community and development teams visited Spain last weekend for Bar Citizen Barcelona. Quote, we were humbled to see so many of you at the Space Cowboy, where we had lots of heartwarming chats and shared some special loot only available in Bar Citizens that CIG staff attend. The team is also happy to announce that the Bar Citizen World Tour continues in 2024. Just like before, we want to hear from you about where we should visit. Feel free to contact the community team on Spectrum and they'll add it to the list of locations to consider. Read more about Bar Citizen World Tour 2024 here. End quote. The economy team. Last month, the economy team completed a balance pass on the UEC prices of FPS weapons. This was the part of the video last week, uh, Star Citizen Live last week, where they are talking about raising the prices of ships. So right now, the 890 jump is like 35 million in game, and they were talking about it basically doubling to about 70 million. So there's some economy dynamics that are happening right now um, that the community is kind of talking about. Back to the economy team, they're currently looking into the impact of structural salvage on the in-game economy. Core gameplay. I would actually love to see an Inside Star Citizen on the economy team, because they do a lot more than what you might think. I think that's very interesting. Alright, hold up. <coughs> Core gameplay. To amplify efforts, the character vehicle gameplay and arena commander sections are no longer separate as the gameplay features team was reorganized towards the end of last year, including teams from Squadron 42, the PU, and arena commander to operate as one unified core gameplay pillar. As such, their progress will be reported under the core gameplay pillar moving forward. Last month, the core gameplay teams continued porting some of the Squadron 42 features seen at CitizenCon to the PU, which included making many features multiplayer compatible. The porting efforts and remaining code work on recoil improvements and dynamic crosshair were completed and refined to give players the best experience possible. EVA was also ported over and now has more intuitive strafing beyond uh, strafing behavior in multiplayer support. For player interaction improvements, the team fixed various bugs. They currently, they're currently making sure that the interaction prompt default actions and control hints all work together to make it clear what will happen when players interact with something. Master modes, testing, and refinement is ongoing too, with several successful playtests and rounds of positive feedback. The resource network and life support features were further developed, the devs scoping out uh, the remaining work needed for feature release and clearing important tech debt. They also continue to work on jump point gameplay, including the procedurally generated tunnels and flow of entering the jump points. Progress was also made on several tech initiatives in January. 
For example, support continued for server meshing and server crash recovery. Notably, there were improvements to the usable code for robustness and reliability. For Maelstrom, the dynamic destruction system, the current workload involves evaluating existing setups and generating workflows to fit the new pipeline. The team have already started retrofitting existing systems, including improvements to allow ship landing gear to detach with Maelstrom debris and simplifying the design markup for configuring item control within vehicles. These changes not only facilitate the new pipeline, but improve on the implementation based on feedback. The team also continued last year's work on the transit system, preparing it for the upcoming refactor and completing work to ensure the current version is suitable for server meshing and crash recovery. This involved implementing a safe recovery system for players who experience a server crash while inside moving transit. Engineering also continued refactoring and docking, refactoring the docking and landing systems, including a rewrite of the automatic dock undock feature. For the former Arena Commander feature team, January's focus was on transitioning to the Persistent Universe and becoming familiar with the workflow and the systems. While the team's focus is now the PU, they'll continue to maintain, improve, and provide regular content updates for Arena Commander, albeit with reduced velocity. That being said, the team finished work on three special events and formed a strike team to close out the Resource Network Experimental Mode. January also saw two successful go-no-go's for Arena Commander, Grav Race, where players race Gravlev vehicles across five racetracks, and a major update to Master Modes, which includes a limited test of the new AI behaviors tailor-made for Master Modes. Atmospheric maps were also added across all Master Mode game modes. After last month's successful tests, the team began implementing streaming bubbles across all Arena Commander locations for improved performance and easier map setup. Additionally, they continued to refactor several UI systems to building blocks, improving the overall UI. Finally, for core gameplay, the team worked on a wide range of features for the upcoming cargo update. This includes new cargo freight elevators, instanced hangers, personal hangar persistence, commodity trading changes, and associated commodity kiosk updates, cargo grid improvements, hover trolley support, hauling mission support, and more. This is a significant endeavor that involves working closely with teams across CIG, including UI, design, art, animation, narrative, and core tech to deliver on the full mission. Quote, so far, we are right in the thick of building out core functionality and establishing pipelines, with early prototyping proving out functionality and providing input for iteration. There is still much work to come, but progress has been solid to date. End quote. That was a large update. <laughs> In-game branding team. Alongside the environment team, in-game branding continued integrating branding elements into the new distribution centers. The development of Pyro's outposts continued too, with attention on finalizing signage to enhance visibility and communication. The Live Tools team developed and implemented several new features to assist the player support teams. They're currently ensuring that the Network Operations Center becomes easier to use and meets the evolving needs of the different users. In addition, the team is further improving other internal development tools and providing the necessary help and maintenance. The EU Locations team. EU Sandbox 1 continued to develop the upcoming distribution centers, while Sandbox 2 worked on location markup for this new star map and high-tech and colonial 
Colonial Cargo Elevators. Progress was made toward Pyro's initial release. This involved finalizing the placement of outposts and integrating content such as the new Defend mission. Alongside this, the Landing Zone team continued to work on the cargo feature, including freight and ship elevators for hangars. The Montreal Locations Team The Montreal Locations Team began the year closing out mandates, starting new ones, and planning for 2024. For example, they closed out the final bug fixing for additional derelict settlements and kicked off the white box for, uh, for building interiors. They also continued their work on the Distribution Center's mandate. Mission Design Mission Design continued to fix Siege of Orison for the live release, tackling many long-standing issues using new evidence. Work also continued on Blockade Runner, including finishing iteration cycles and fixing bugs. Numerous quality of life fixes were also made, and planning was done for future release. The Narrative Team the narrative team came back from the holiday break to multiple large-scale initiatives that will add more story and character content into the game. They also met with the various design teams to generate text for some of the systemic missions being introduced in upcoming patches. The team then looked back to the existing lore and science of other planets uh, and moons to make adjustments based on gameplay needs. Quote, this back and forth is crucial to aligning the established lore to maximize fun game loops, like resource gathering as well as endeavors undertaken by the environment team. End quote. On the narrative design front, the team continuing uh, the team continuing examining existing behaviors continued examining uh, existing behaviors and looked for ways to fix bugs and pop and pops while building a more comprehensive system based on what was learned during Squadron 42's development. It's a little bit uh, contextually wrong in that sentence. Uh, anyways, <laughs> the first initiative is building a general civilian line set to populate larger spaces. The team is also looking at updating the tourist behavior to accommodate large-scale events like Invictus and IAE. Another volley of lore post, uh, posts hit the website in January as well. A Whitley's guide on MISC's unique Reliant lineup, a portfolio on Pyrotechnic Amalgamated, which dives into the history of the famed mining company, and finally a Galactopedia update exploring humanity's perilous connection with AI development. The R&D team. In January, further progress was made on the temporal render mode for atmosphere and clouds. Among other things, ghosting around cloud fringes was reduced. Also, a code interface was implemented to allow gas clouds to hook into the temporal reconstruction process, as R&D would like to explore the possibility of sharing this render pass. This will allow gas clouds to benefit from associated performance improvements as well. Furthermore, the support in capturing and extracting auxiliary call stacks for memory corruptions, specifically double deletes and right after free events, mentioned in last month's report, was implemented on both the engine and tool sides, with its integration into Sentry currently being investigated by Turbulent. The UI team. In January, a building block framework was worked on for the freight elevator UI. This was accompanied by the ongoing creation of art mockups to ensure a visually cohesive experience. The user experience, or UX, pass is also underway for the freight elevator and resource network mandates. Additionally, wireframes were crafted for the commodity kiosk's user interface, or user experience, while attention was given to enhancing the overall user experience within the item shop. The visual effects team. 
Last month, the VX, VFX team focused on fixing long spam that had built up over time. This involves solving minor data errors that don't break the game, but can be problematic to devs working in the editor if too many accumulate. For example, a missing texture referenced by a particle effect. They also continue to support several locations, including the latest version of Siege of Orison and a few Pyro outposts. Web Platform, the last update. Last month, a new launcher team was created to enhance the user experience of the RSI launcher. The first major focus is the development of Launcher 2.0, which will bring a fresh UI design and up-to-date technology to support the Star Citizen community. The Avocati, I know people say the Evocati, 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 it's actually the Avocati. The Avocati community was given the first version of the new launcher to assess the sign-in, download, verify, launch, and game library location features. Testing will continue up to its release to the wider community. Alongside this, the content experience team worked on a simple image component to provide an efficient solution for image management. With features like lazy loading, customizable formatting, and centralized control, it streamlines performance, scalability, and flexibility. Its easy integration and prevention of content shifting make it an essential tool for maintaining a unified image handling approach. January monthly report. <laughs> I wish I could just say, and there you have it. Have a great day. Um, but there is there there is a lot, uh, in my opinion, there is a lot there to unpack. Um, not a lot of surprises. There's a couple mentions of ships to not be named. Okay, Roger. <laughs> that like we're never really gonna get like, hey, the Bonnie Merchantman's being worked on. Um, it was interesting to read about the Polaris, you know, doing well in gray box. The uh, Zeus is doing well in gray box. So we're seeing progress with ships. Uh, it sounds like freight elevators are coming. I mean, I, it sounds like all the teams working on freight elevators and cargo hauling and what that looks like all together. Instant hangers, persistent hangers. Uh, it's, it, it should, it should come. It, it should come. And it, it's, it's all good news when you read those, uh, those monthly reports. So I'd be interested. Uh, I've read the Squadron 42 notes. Again, I'm going to save that for next week so we can kind of break this up <laughs> from episode to episode. Uh, but I hope there were some gold nuggets there for you, having it read to you so you're not having to read it yourself. Uh, and again, wherever you're listening to this podcast, I hope it found you well. Um, You've been listening to Beyond the Verse, Star Citizen Podcast. Again, I am Solus. You can actually follow me on my personal socials. It's Solus Gaming. Uh, feel free if you're, I don't know, something about the Jeep interested you or if my personal life or um, opinions about things that are happening around the world. Um, if that interests you, I'm also on social media as Solus. So Solus Gaming. You can get involved in the conversation with your questions, your comments, your concerns. I always say your emotional outbursts because, hey, it's a safe space. But emailing us at contact at beyondtheversehq.com or interacting with our Spotify Q&A and polls at the end of each episode over at Spotify. You can join our in-game organization, Soul Provision, at www.robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash provision. If you're listening on podcast and you want to watch the YouTube replay, you can do so at forward slash at BTV underscore cast. 
You can follow the conversation over at Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Blue Sky, all at forward slash BTV underscore cast. Once again, thank you for joining us. We hope this finds you well. And until next time, safe travels as you traverse beyond the verse. Thanks, everybody.